Welcome to Talking Leadership with Chris Marshall. This podcast is designed to help leaders make the next right move. Chris, we're currently in a series at New Life about life management, and today you want to share some tips for leaders on how to handle their time because the time of our lives is valuable. Would you mind sharing those uh, those principles with us today? Be glad to, Brad. And actually, uh, I'm glad you used the word time because for most of my adult life, I have been seeking to use my time more wisely. And we hear a lot about time management. And it's several years ago, I realized something about my time management. I, I, I was thinking too small. I needed to think about not just time management, but life management. And as I thought about that, prayed about it, reflected on it, I looked in the scriptures and I came up with seven principles of life management. And, and the, reason, the difference between time management and life management for me is the time management understanding is how do I use my calendar, basically? What am I going to do today? How am I going to break down my hours into the to-do list that's, you know, and a lot of times, I think it was the daytimer that first had the A, B, C, D, the most important, next most important, that kind of thing. And and while that's good and it works for many people, for me, it was just a, a smaller perspective, I guess. And I I wanted to, to think of my life in, in, in a, a more complete term than just my days and my hours and that kind of thing. So these seven principles, and I'm going to just say what they are first, and I'm going to touch on each one briefly. But the seven principles of life management are rest, prayer, physical care, Bible study, relationships, work, and finances. And I came to believe that if I would focus on those seven principles and ordering those seven areas of my life, that I would become much more effective, and, and, and I have. And it's also helped my day-to-day uh, planning and scheduling as well. So uh, let's let's take a brief look at each one. First, rest. And, and of the seven, if I were to ask anybody, you know, what are the seven most important things in your life? You might not put rest even on the list. But I it came to me that uh, in in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the very first chapter, uh, we're told about creation. And as we're talking about creation, at the end of every day, um, it, it has this phrase, and there was evening and there was morning, day one, day two, day three, so on, like that. And, and I started asking my question, why? Why is it evening and then morning? I mean, most of us think of the day starting in the morning. When we get up, that's when the day begins. But in Genesis 1, throughout, it says there was evening and there was morning. So the evening came before the morning. And I don't know uh, specifically, we're not told specifically why it's that way, but the Jews to this day do consider the day starts at sundown rather than in sunrise. And so as we look at the uh, idea of the day starting in the evening, what occurred to me is we rest before we begin our day, or I should say we rest as we begin our day. So the foundation of a a life well-lived, well-managed, would be a life that's rested. So we start with rest, and and in fact, during the series uh, that we're doing uh, at New Life, one of the little, uh, basically it's a take-home point, which is the point we want folks to remember, I said start with rest to be your best. And uh, we all know that Americans are uh, largely sleep deprived. We try to burn the candle at both ends. And a long time ago, Rick Warren said, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. And, uh, and I'm, I'm learning that the more rested I am, the better I can do all the other things. So rest is first. And then after rest comes prayer. 
And uh, here at New Life, we say everything begins and ends with prayer. And that's really true in our lives. If we want to dedicate our lives to being lived to God's glory, then we're going to start with Him. And to do that, we connect with Him through prayer. And uh, as we think about prayer, one of the things I would say is if we wanted to get a, the best role model for our lives, we'd probably want to turn to Jesus. And what we find in the Gospel of Mark at the very beginning uh, of Jesus' ministry, after he had had a great day of ministry the day before, teaching and preaching, healing people, casting out demons, what we find him doing the very next day, early in the morning, before sunrise, he went out and prayed. And he's the son of the living God, and yet he wanted to connect with his heavenly Father. He wanted to glorify him and praise him. He wanted to, I'm, I'm assuming, just wanted to fellowship with his heavenly father. And so when the people came and finally found him, because they're looking for him, where's Jesus? You know, he had such a great day yesterday. What are we going to do today? And uh, the disciples said, hey, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. And Jesus said, let's go someplace else. Uh, because I came here to preach, you know, to all the places in Israel, not just to be here. Jesus was able to keep his focus because he started and centered in prayer. And in our lives, um, we're going to be pulled in all kinds of directions as leaders. If we really want to be effective leaders, we need to get our directions from God. And certainly prayer is the way we connect with God and we listen to him. And, and actually, that's an important thing, you know, important distinction in prayer. Prayer is not just telling God what we need. It's not even just telling him how amazing he is, but it's also listening uh, to what he wants to say to us in our lives. And so Prayer is uh, sort of the, the second step of a life well-managed. And then after prayer, the next three things on the list are physical care, Bible study, and relationships. And we could really discuss those in any order. I, I don't think that the third one is, which is physical care on my list, is actually third most important. But it's one of those things that's uh, often spoken about in our culture, but seldom carried out. And in fact, the, the little rhyme that I use whenever I preach about that just this past week actually was um, physical care is rare but my body is God's temple and I have no spare and the focus of that message was simply that when we are um, living our daily lives if we take care of our physical bodies and God calls us to do that because they are the temple of the Holy Spirit according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 we will be more effective in our daily lives in carrying out his will. And physical care, we can, you know, there are a lot of different aspects we could talk about, but often I break physical care down into exercise and into eating properly, into avoiding addictive behaviors. And then I even put in one little extra one that I think is good for all of us as Americans, which is television. I guess I could maybe just say uh, devices with screens because it might be telephones and computers as well as televisions. But anything that has a screen, how much time are we in front of those things? How much time are we going to be using or investing? Because obviously we can use all of those devices to God's glory. And we can use all of those things to gain information. Uh, but much of the time that we spend in front of those little screens or big screens is wasted. So if we're going to take care of ourselves physically, exercise will be a component of that. A uh, number of years ago, I read a book that was called Younger Next Year. And the premise of that book is if once you're 50 or older, and I know many of you listening may not be that old, but I'm 58 and many of you may be over 50. Uh, the premise of the book is that after you're 50, you don't have to deteriorate physically as so many people seem to think 
think, you know, I hit 50, it's all downhill from there till I die. Well, what the, what the authors of the book said was that if we take care of ourselves physically, if we exercise, and their premise was six days a week and four of those days had to be aerobic exercise and two days needed to be strength training, if we ate properly, if we rested, if we um, basically did some certain physical things, that our, our bodies would be as if they were younger the next year. And, and I actually put that into practice back in 2012, and, and I saw that it was true. My body was physically healthier. I, healthier. I lost some weight. I gained more energy. I was able to do things physically that I hadn't been able to do for some time simply because I took the time and in, in the in that case, it was 45 minutes a day, six days a week. Right now, I actually just re-instituted uh, an exercise program because I'm a little bit out of shape. Over the last several years, my discipline hasn't been as diligent as it might be. And so for the past several weeks, I've been exercising once again, 30 to 45 minutes a day, six days a week. And already, I've, I've lost 10 pounds and, uh, and I feel much better, much more energy. So exercise is important, eating properly. And I mean, there are so many um, eating plans out there and people have all different kinds of ideas about what's best. I would advise you simply to choose one uh, that makes you, um, number one, makes you take the number of calories into your body that you need, that um, makes you, uh, over time, you'll see whether it gives you energy or, or not, those kind of things. And, and then the last part of the physical care, uh, the exercise, the eating plan, and then addictive behaviors. Our culture is an addictive culture. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. One of the things that, that you hear about now is people binge watching television series because of, you know, they're available on Hulu, Netflix, things like that. And so people will sit down and literally watch a whole season of television in a day or two. Um, and, and that's just one simple example of the addictive culture in which we live. So we need to, we need to monitor what is it that it's in our lives that um, we might tend to be, uh, you know, move towards addiction. Uh, and whether it's a physical thing such as a drug or, you know, alcohol or some other drug or whether it's food or whether it is indeed something that we're watching on a screen, whatever, um, avoid those things. Um, obviously, we don't want to develop addictive behaviors that, that take away God's glory in our life and take away our, our effectiveness. And so then the next area after physical care is Bible study. Bible study is a very important aspect of a Christian leader's life because it, it forms the basis of truth for our lives. We live in a culture that uh, everybody says that all truth is relative, which is an absolute statement, so I guess all truth isn't relative, but most people think today that truth is what you think it is. There are no, no you know, there is no absolute truth, which is an absolute truth, so I guess there is at least one absolute truth. Um, and, and, and the truth that we rely on, the foundational truth for us, is the Word of God found in Scripture. And obviously, if we're going to be able to lead as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to learn what he taught. In fact, in his great commission, he commanded us to teach the disciples that we make um, all the things that he commanded us. 
And, and we can't really teach all the things that God commanded us if we don't know God's command. So Bible study is a very important thing. And I would make a distinction, and actually I think I heard this first from Rick Warren. He said the difference between Bible reading and Bible study is with Bible reading, you're just reading through a passage. With Bible study, you get a pen and paper or computer, whatever. You get a recording device of some kind. So you write down, you reflect on the matter. You might go to other resources such as commentaries, or you might go online and see what some other uh, biblical teacher has to say. But study is a little more than just reading through a passage. It's starting to uh, chew on the passage, reflect on the passage, meditate on the passage. And as we do all of those things, what we find is that the, the word is now in our minds. It starts to move into our hearts, our spirits. And when we need it, it, it comes to us. One of the things being that I have been studying the Bible for more than, I sh- should say studying the Bible for about 40 years, reading it for more than 50 is that there are so many biblical passages that are in my mind now, and by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, there are many times when I need them, and they come right back to my mind so that I can share them with people in a, in a counseling setting or just in an encouragement setting. And, and sometimes, I mean, I don't say, this, as it says in John chapter 4, um, but I say, you know, you know, the Bible teaches, and, and that way somebody knows that it, this isn't just Chris Marshall's opinion. And as Christian leaders, I think it's more and more important for us to, to base what we say in God's truth rather than what we think, because everybody has their own opinion these days about everything. And we want to make sure that as Christian leaders, that we're helping people to understand that there is absolute truth. And that truth comes from God's word, and that's our authority. The next area, the fifth of the seven areas of life management, is relationships. Now, God created us for relationship with himself and with others. If you go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden when everything was perfect, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with each other and a perfect relationship with God. And God came to them each day in the cool of the day. We assume that's in the evening, I guess. Could have been in the morning since um, the cool of the day is also, it's cool in the morning. But at one point each day, God and Adam and Eve had conversation together. They shared what was going on in their lives. They built their relationship in that way. And when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, a second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus made the priority of our lives, relationships, first with God and then with one another. As we want to be Christian leaders, we need to invest time and energy into building relationships. Obviously, Bible study will help us to build our relationship with God. Prayer will help us to build our relationship with God. I would go so far as to say that all seven of these principles will build our relationship with God because we need to be rested in order to focus on God and to to listen with uh, to Him and even having uh, taking good care of our our physical aspect of our life will give us more energy so that we can invest that more in our relationships with God and others. But relationships don't happen by accident. Relationships happen intentionally. As leaders, one of the things we need to start to do is to prioritize. How much time are we going to invest in various relationships? Obviously, um, we want to invest much time in our relationship with God. If we're married, we want to invest time with our spouse if we have children with them. But then, after that, we need to start thinking about the people uh, we're leading. 
If in my situation, I'm a lead pastor and I meet directly with uh, several people on a weekly or every other week basis and I meet with others on a less regular basis, but those are part of the, um, the realities of leadership is we have to invest our time wisely. And this whole life management concept allows us to see what we need to invest our time in and then we do need to allocate it in time, in chunks of time, whether that be a portion of a day, a, an hour, a half an hour, so on. And we need to schedule that regularly. So we, we're talking about intentionality here, that we want to be intentional in every area and specifically in this building relationships. The sixth area of the life management is work. Now, some people would have put work a lot higher on the list but the reason I, I have it listed six of the seven um, areas is because if we take care of rest, prayer, physical care, Bible study, and relationships, we will come to our work from a much healthier position. Work doesn't dominate our lives if we've been investing time in prayer with God. We know that God comes first. And in many cases as leaders, we can let our let the work push God out. And, and God is the work, you know. Um, God's work in our lives, um, number one, Jesus said, is, you know, is to understand and to be in relationship with the one he sent and that's Jesus. So our work, whether we're full-time leaders in the church, whether we're part-time leaders, maybe we have a role in the church as a, as a Sunday school teacher or as a youth group leader, uh, as a volunteer, whatever leadership role we have, we need to think about that work um, from the perspective of God. He's calling us and he actually instructs us uh, throughout the word of God to do our work to his glory. And one of my favorite passages of scripture is Colossians 3.17, which says, whatever we do in word or deed, we're to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And as we approach our work, whether it's full-time in the church or whether it's part-time um, for God's glory, we know that as we put him first, he will instruct us and, and show us the things that we need to do, what we need to do first. And let's say you're a volunteer leader in the church, you may have another vocation. And so you want to apply your whole heart to that. When you're, when you're doing that work, um, you can do that work as unto the Lord and not just as people. That's been one of the most helpful perspectives for me because I haven't been a pastor all my life and I've had a number of other jobs, some would call them secular jobs, and I learned a long time ago that any job can be done to God's glory so it's not totally secular or uh, divorced from Him. Um, but when I was a carpenter, for example, one of the things that I always thought about was I was doing this work for him. And when I put a roof on, I wanted to make sure it didn't leak because that would glorify him. It would provide for the homeowner, uh, you know, a dry house, but it also glorified God by me doing effective work. And so our work is something that whatever it is, as long as it's good and faithful work that builds up humanity, that blesses God, um, it's work that can be valued and it's work that needs to be done intentionally uh, with all these other five things taken into consideration first. And then the seventh principle of life management is finances. And basically, God calls us to be generous stewards of all of our wealth, and giving is a sign that we're secure in Him. So the more that we know Jesus Christ as Savior and the Lord, and the more that we know Him as the owner of our lives, 
the more we are going to be comfortable with using finances the way he wants us to. And the Bible has more than 2,000 references to money and stewardship. So um, Jesus knew that money was going to be important to us. In fact, in Matthew 6, he tells us that money is the chief rival God in our lives. He says that no one can serve two masters. We're going to love the one and hate the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he says, you can't serve both God and money. So we can only serve God and use money as a servant, or else we can serve money and then you know, we'll be a slave to that, and God will not have the priority that we need in our lives. And obviously, in each of these areas, there are good resources out there, um, Crown Financial Resources, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University are just two that I would mention that can help us understand what God intends for us to do with the money that he entrusts to us. And, you know, that money he entrusts to us comes from our work, comes from blessings that other people people give us or whatever it might be. But as we know, as stewards of God's wealth, when it comes to the material wealth of finances, we're called to invest it in his kingdom, to build up treasure in heaven and not to focus on storing it here. So money is a tool. It can be used to glorify God. And when we have the perspective of God about money, um, it, it allows us to be better leaders, more effective leaders. One thing I would encourage every leader who's listening to this podcast to do is to sit down, if you haven't done it, and ask yourself, am I being a faithful steward of the financial resources God has entrusted to me? If the answer to that question is yes, praise God. If the answer to that question is no or I don't know, I would ask you to invest some time and energy in that area because we have to talk or get to talk to people about how they steward the resources that God has entrusted to them. And if we're going to do that in a faithful way, we need to make sure that we are modeling what we're teaching. That's true in every area. All of these areas, we want to be modeling more and more of the things that we're teaching. But I think it's especially true in the financial area because uh, the world around us focuses an awful lot on money. People think that money is the solution to all of our problems. It isn't. Money is a dissatisfier. If we don't have enough, we'll be dissatisfied, but money can never satisfy us. And so we wanna make sure in our lives that um, we're faithful in each of these areas um, never more so than when we're talking about finances. Sort of to bring this to a conclusion, the one thing that I would like to emphasize this morning is that often people think that the goal uh, we have as Christian leaders is to help people to come to know Jesus, to get saved, to be born again, to use Jesus' term, and that sort of once that happens, everything's over. The truth of the matter is that's just the beginning. The beginning of our walk with God is being born again or getting saved. And after that, each of these areas of life management needs to be learned and lived in order to grow up to be everything that Jesus creates us to be. Um, if we had a baby, for example, or an actual physical baby in our family, and we took the baby home, uh, we wouldn't leave the baby in their crib and expect them uh, to sort of take over from there. We know that we have to nurture and develop uh, everything for a while for that baby, and eventually the baby grows into a toddler and then to an elementary school student and then to you know, a teenager and a young adult and an adult. Um, that's a, a process. 
in this life management process in our uh, daily living is so crucial because we don't want to remain infants in the Lord. We don't want to remain toddlers. We want to con- continue to grow as, as Christians and as leaders throughout our lives. So I hope that this has been a helpful uh, opportunity for you to reflect on your life, to reflect on how you're management, managing it, I should say, and, and, and actually, hopefully, to continue to implement these principles in your daily life so you can be more effective leaders to God's glory. Chris, before we go, I have a couple of questions I'd like to ask you. Number one, I heard you share the story uh, during your message this past weekend, uh, or maybe it was a couple weekends ago, that you've always struggled with time management. And until you came to a realization that it wasn't time, it was actually life management that was helpful to you. Would you explain that to the leaders that are listening? Yes. Um, basically, the point is that I took pretty much every time management course I could take as a young adult. I read time management books. And for me, it was mostly about how do I manage my minutes, my hours, my days, my weeks, but there wasn't a big picture and an overall concept of the fact that my life is supposed to glorify God. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, but for me, it was very difficult to say that if I did, you know, did something today with all my hours and then tomorrow with all my hours and I checked off my to-do list and all that, that that would be a productive life. To me, it just was too small of increments. And I needed to, to see my life in a bigger picture. And when I started to look at these principles, that really helped me. And what I actually, what I do with my daily life is I, I divide my, my day into the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. Um, and, and, and I do, obviously, I have appointments. And, and this was, you know, this time that we set aside to do this podcast was on my calendar. And so I have specific things I do with hours, but I look at chunks of time in a different way. They're chunks of my life. And for me, it's more helpful. May not be for some people, but for me, it was extremely helpful. And Chris, work is number six on your list, as you alluded to, and that was a very intentional thing. Although I think most leaders will probably struggle with that very deeply because sometimes uh, you go through seasons in particular in your life where you're working late and you go to bed and then you get up early and you go right to work. And how would you uh, or, or can you provide some tips for people who can help with the, the first five things maybe before they dig into work? Well, I, I think number one is just make these things a priority because work is going to be there every single day. We wake up, we have work to do. And often what happens is the urgency of the work takes over the importance of these first five things. You may have heard you know, the, the tyranny of the urgent. What's urgent usually is what we attend to and we leave the important. And, and all of the rest is important, prayers, and all of these things are important. The first five are radically important. And the only way the important doesn't get overwhelmed by the urgent is if we schedule it. Now, obviously, rest. What you said is sometimes we do have to work late and get up early, but we can't do that six days a week or seven days a week for very long before it starts to impact our health and all the other areas of our lives. We know this intuitively, but sometimes we sort of say, well, you know, just one more day, just one more day, just one more day, and we say that for weeks or months, and and our our health deteriorates and we don't build any of these things. We really have to, I, I think the bottom line is we have to stop, we have to reflect, and we have to plan and, and be strategic about that because if we don't take the time to plan, we will not 
do these things because the urgent will overtake them and then it will be all work and no play, so to speak, all work and no rest, all work and no prayer. And the, 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 the serious challenge, and you're right, it is a serious challenge that Christian leaders in particular face is we say we're here to serve God and yet we can let the, the work, daily work that we do push all of those priority items that will build our relationship with God and make us more valuable to others out of the way. Thanks, Chris. As we conclude today, I just want to kind of remind leaders, it's okay if you're not acing any of these areas. We all know that. But as Chris said, and I think this is so important, we have to learn in those areas and then we have to live it. Uh, You know, Chris, always, you always say information minus application is just information, but information plus uh, application is transformation. And if we truly want to be transformed in these areas, we actually have to learn about them. And that might mean picking up a resource like you mentioned, or, uh, you know, going to an expert and asking for help. And then we actually have to put into practice those things. So no matter where you're at, there is hope because you can grow beyond where you are now. And we thank you so much for listening to Talking Leadership with Chris Marshall. We hope you'll join us again next month for another encouraging opportunity to learn how to lead well and to make your next right move. Thanks for listening.